Hey mamas, I just needed to take a quick moment before we begin. I could not let another episode be released without mentioning how my heart is breaking for all of the black lives that have been taken, not only recently, but in all of history. To be completely honest with you, I have been at a loss for words regarding this struggle, and have started to do my own personal work, dissecting my own white privilege. But I just wanted to say that here at The Pumping Podcast, we support Black Lives Matter and stand with BIPOC everywhere. If there are any moms out there who would like to have a discussion about this on a future episode, please reach out to me. Thanks for listening. This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. This week, I sit down with Susanna Hilliard. She is a mama of one adorable little guy, and we talk about C-sections. She unfortunately had to have an emergency C-section that she was not prepared for. However, Unless it's on your calendar and scheduled, I don't think anyone's ever really prepared for a C-section. And since there seems to be a lack of information about there and and a lack of conversation around C-sections, we decided it was something to talk about. Because no matter what, you still brought life into this world. And that's what's the most important. I think you'll really enjoy our conversation. Here's Susanna. Here we are. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to introduce you to Susanna Hilliard. I pronounced that the correct way, right? You got it. <laughs> and you know, I pronounced it the correct way because um, in the town near where I grew up, we have a Hilliard's chocolate. Oh. It is one of the best chocolate stores I've ever been to. So that's what I, I took a good guess. <laughs> she is uh, the mother of one unbelievably adorable little boy. Those eyes are just to die for. And I'm so excited to dive into her story today and hear her journey. Well, how about you go ahead and introduce to the listeners, Susanna? Um, hi. Yeah, I'm, I'm so honored to have such an amazing podcast and listening to all the people, the stories um, of all the mothers um, and their experiences has been so cool. So I am just oh, thank you included. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. It's certainly really cool um, to be able to share my story and to kind of bring some awareness to I think C sections and and what those do to to moms out here. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something that's not not really talked about too much. As in, I feel you know I sometimes feel like a broken record because I feel like every time I interview, I say that's not talked about very much. That's not talked about very much. I'm just, I'm interested to see how it was for you and what your journey was like. So first of all, where are you joining us from? Oh, I am from Pittsburgh. Awesome. And what was life like before you decided to have your little boy? What did did it look like for you? Oh, goodness. What did it look like? It looked like the kind of the quintessential story of someone who had graduated grad school when was trying to find a job and whenever um whenever I graduated grad school having gone in you know they tell you go get your grad degree you need a degree to you know a higher degree for some reason (laughs) (laughs) 
go to get your your um jobs and they want all this experience so I was that was me I was trying to get the experience to get to the you know the place where I wanted to be in my career but at the same time really wanting to grow my family um my husband and I got married my last year in grad school so you know, graduating and, and having a new family unit, that was fun. We got to really dig into our house that we had and did some fun renovations. And when mm. that did, we just kind of looked at each other and went, let's have a kid. Let's go for <laughs> it. <laughs> but um, at the same time, you're, you're in the beginning of that, of that career and it's kind of a hard decision to make, you know? Mm-hmm. What, what do I want my life to look like? What kind of person am I? And did it take you a long time before you got pregnant? Or what was that journey like? Actually, surprisingly, it only took about three months. I was very, very blessed in that regard. And what was pregnancy like for you? Um, it was honestly pretty much textbook, normal, nothing bad, nothing, you know, happened, nothing alarmed. Yeah. Um, and in my um, my experience, I've had a couple medical things happen. You know, I had a I had a knee surgery in high school, and I had my wisdom teeth out, and I had um, a major concussion. But other than those, you know, don't have a much experience medically. Um, it's right. Normal. So I did not learn to advocate for myself um, very much medically, and I think that that kind of leads and and everything piles up into the c-section experience actually a hundred percent and had you made a birth plan and had a whole absolutely yeah um the whole birth plan thing um when I was pregnant um now four four years ago um like birth plans were like this really big fun thing that everyone had on their you know when you're pregnant what to do lists and it was yeah. <laughs> Draw your birth plan experience, color it, you know, <laughs> and all of these fun things and, you know, all these cool little icons you could like pick out if you wanted a picture one versus the words. And it was, it was, it was part of your pregnancy experience, you know, part of that checkbox every trimester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were so many things to pick, you know, so many resources, so many blogs. So I kind of picked and choose. Um, what I thought was a good idea, what I thought would be ideal. Um, thankfully, though, I went to this really great um, pre-birth class at my at my hospital, and I had this wonderful uh, woman who taught it, and she was very like holistic, but also realistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, she told us, you know, that birth plan that you all have, that I know you all have. Um, she said, I want you to look at it and put it in the trash. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we were all like, excuse me, how dare you? You know, and she said, you know, your birth plan is actually just a wish list, but you need to be realistic because you stick to your birth plan and things don't go right. You're, you know, you're not going to have a, have a good birth experience at all. You know, you need to be flexible. So after that, I was a lot more flexible. I took things off. You know, I, I put, you know, my, my wish list almost on top of it. And that kind of was the end of the very strict birth plan. (laughs) Well, it kind of seems as though, you know, since I've never had kids, I can relate it to 
planning a wedding. Mm -hmm. And it seems as though, you know, I was very hands-on in planning a wedding and you need to have a plan and you need to do all the preparation up to it. And you need to outline the day and how you desire and wish and hope and pray that it goes. But then that day, you know, I remember people coming up to me asking questions or things happening and just being like, sure, whatever, however, you know, because I think it's important to know what your goals and values are, because like you mentioned earlier, you need to advocate for yourself. But if you bog yourself down on that day of to sticking to a certain thing, when there's so many different other aspects to the day that you're not in control of, you're just going to stress yourself out and drive yourself crazy. And probably that extra stress is not good on you or the baby too. So yeah, for sure. I think a lot of uh, women, um, really caught up in it being perfect and being this like magical experience that especially as a first time mother you've never gone through before and you don't as as many classes as you take and as many books as you read you don't know what it's like until you've gone through it so and it, so what what was your birth plan what did that look like um my birth plan um, you know, I wanted to go unmedicated, but for as long as I possibly could, I wasn't ruling out an epidural or medicine. Um, I had like steps, you know, I wanted to take this type of medication before going to an epidural, you know, just to see what my body could handle. Um, the original plan was, of course, totally natural. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the other plan, uh, part of my plan and, and the biggest ones, that I was focusing on was not pushing on my back, being able to walk around freely. My husband um, was, you know, my partner and my advocate during our process. And um, I wanted him, if I was not mentally capable of making decisions to be the decision maker, not my doctor. I also did not want any immediate testing. You know, I wanted my son to be put on me, I wanted kangaroo care. I didn't want the umbilical cord cut. Um, things that I know a lot of moms kind of default to. Um, you know, they want to be as close as possible, as soon as possible with their son, you know, or daughter, um, with their yeah, child. Absolutely. Yeah. So now what did that day look like? <laughs> well, um, these sections are the complete opposite of every birth plan that I think is ever written, unless you go in knowing you're going to have a C-section. Yeah. Um, I was like 39 weeks and six days pregnant, but it felt like I had been pregnant for 39 years. <laughs> you know, I had been um, walking daily for like two miles at night. I was doing the dates. I was bouncing on the ball. I was ready to be done. Um, when I actually, um, when I went into labor, it was really funny because I had left work that day. And as I said, I work in the nonprofit fundraising field and, um, we had our big fundraiser event, our yearly gala in, um, three days, <laughs> you know, I was, that pregnant and kind of going, well, I guess I'm going to be at this event because the baby's not coming, I guess. Um, and my boss had said, you know what? Don't come back tomorrow. You have that baby. And I was like, haha, funny. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere because everything is high and tight and stuck. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. he was so high that I was convinced I was going to be 
you know, pregnant for another month. Um, and I went into labor that night around 10.30 and I was, yes, um, I was super pumped about it because I'd had prodormal or uh, some people call it predormal, prodormal, don't know the actual term. Um, I call it prodormal. What is that? It's when um, prodormal labor is whenever you have labor start and stop, <laughs> where your body has more than the like Braxton Hicks warm-up contractions, but they they just go away, or they oh, I see. Um, stay the same in intensity and don't like regulate, mm. and you know you might fall asleep and wake up and they're gone. I just looked it up. It's often called false labor. Yeah, yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> It's, um, it's, it's a tricky and um, confusing labor experience because I had had that uh, for about a week, week and a half um, before I went into full labor and my body kept going, psych. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, it was just very confusing. <laughs> um, I had gone to the hospital once saying, I think I'm in labor. Um, but they said, no, go home. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that night, 1030, the contraction started. They kind of were starting around that time anyway for the last week or so. So I wasn't convinced. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, my husband was playing video games with some of his friends. And I looked at him and I was going, you know, and he was cramping. And I said, I think they're contractions, but I'm sure they'll stop. So it just <laughs> and um, you know, I went to bed because I was like, oh, they're just gonna stop, and I'm just gonna go to sleep so I can wake up tomorrow and go to work and yeah, ready for this event that we're gonna have. And um, I woke up around midnight, and they hadn't stopped. They had actually finally gotten worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd gotten past that cramping just uncomfortable traction into like real contractions. And I remember looking at my husband who was sleeping peacefully next to me and going, I have <laughs> the, you know, the, like that panic of, Oh my God, this is real. Did I pack my bag, everything running around? Um, so I had been in labor for like two, two hours at that point. Um, called, you know, did the, everything you're supposed to do. Called my doctor said, can you breathe through them? Can you talk? I said, yeah. And they said, all right, if you want to labor at home, that's fine. If you want to take your time coming into the hospital, that's fine. Um, you know, whatever is, you know, you're most comfortable with. Um, mm -hmm. So we kind of just took our time. I think I had a snack. I think I put some makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. That just kind of, you know, took my time, got, got into the car, made sure we had everything. Um, kept timing the contractions and um, went into the hospital. I think we got there around two in the morning. Fun thing about, you know, having a kid is after you have a kid and you get all those rush of hormones, um, the longer after, you, the less you remember. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think it's funny. It's like a way of tricking you into doing it again. Uh -huh. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think it was around two. I got into the hospital because it was so late slash early. I had to go into the ER, which is 
very weird. Um, the epidural, I had an epidural around 10. I had basically been in labor for 12 hours at that point. And I said, I'm really tired. I really hurt. Um, I had actually been doing what I wanted in my birth plan. You know, I was up, I was walking, I was moving. At one point I was doing it like, like punching as I was walking uh-huh. around my room. Just going, ah, <laughs> and I was like, I am a super woman. <laughs> I love that. Um, but after a while, you just kind of, you know, your body, it gets tired. So I said, I'm going to get an epidural. I need some more help. Um, they had given me the, um, in a, in a gel or in a, however you say that, um, pain medication that, um, I had wanted the, you know, the step between the epidural and nothing. And, um, it wore off in probably 30 seconds. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I went, I went for the epidural and I'm so glad I did because I finally got, you know, some relief, was able to, you know, a little cat nap in there. Um, now looking back on my labor experience, um, I noticed is, is that I wasn't actually, um, checked very often. The nurses, you know, would come in and get my vitals and look at the heartbeat because I had a heartbeat monitor on, uh, the Doppler. And, um, other than that, you know, I didn't really have very much, um, medical support or medical, like, um, check-ins. Mm. My, my ward, I, so I gave birth at like the baby hospital, um, in Pittsburgh here, McGee Women's Hospital. Um, it's, it's kind of known for being, you know, the baby factory because it <laughs> was there. <laughs> um, so it, you know, it, it's, it's a safe place. It's a really great hospital. Um, and it was full. So I was one of, I think, 30 some women on that floor Wow! in labor. Um, my, my OB was, in like, I don't know how many other women at the same time. Um, so I, I, you know, I understand they were full, they were busy, but I didn't get, um, my baby's position was never checked during labor. Um, I was kind of ignored because everything was going okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on paper, you know, nothing bad was happening. They were just like, all right, okay. Chug a lug, keep going. Let us know when, when you need us type of thing. In my opinion, you know, I think was potentially part of, of what ended up happening. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, not neglect, but definitely a little bit of, you know, on my own. And I, I wish you know, looking back that I'd spoken up more, you know, advocated for myself and said, Hey, you know, how is, you know, his position, you know, how are our, you know, blood levels, et cetera. I'm really, really tired. Is this normal? Right. Or can you check X, Y, Z? I haven't had this done. Can you maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what to ask for either. Um, And that is, you know, part of, the medical system and you know in terms of, of birth here we don't we don't learn we don't learn what we are supposed to be getting or you know what we're entitled to until I think it's too late exactly yeah if your birth goes really well there are things that probably could have helped it go better or you know you would have maybe preferred if the doctor hadn't done this or done this instead um so I think being educated it's very hard to do on your own 
especially as a first time mother, um, you know, but it's important to do when, when you go into the, um, into the birth, you know, situation, whenever you're going to, yeah, it's just, um, it's hard to fully educate yourself. And yeah, I think that's a a big issue. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I think I said, I think it was around four, 4 PM that my water, uh, finally broke. And whenever, you know, you are pregnant, you get told by your doctor and you get told by your birth coaches and your, you know, your birth class teachers that it's not going to be like in the movies. Um, and you're like, yeah, I know that it's a movie, (laughs) but then they say, you know, your water's not just going to break in. It's not going to just spill everywhere on the floor or, you know, you're not going to have this big puddle underneath you. And, um, just, it'll probably be more like a little trickle, you know, if you left the tap off at home and I was like, Oh, okay. That's good to know. Um, no, mine was like in the movies. (laughs) (laughs) And literally like, this is probably a TMI thing, but it felt like a balloon popped inside. It's not TMI on the bumping podcast. Are you kidding? We talk about everything No, Go for it. Literally was it just everywhere it was so much water were you standing or sitting in bed I was reclined in my bed and it was so alarming (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting you know that that gush I was um expecting a trickle like I had told to expect and um it was whoa whoa (laughs) oh my gosh um water balloon just exploded inside you (laughs) I had a water balloon and it popped and it was very weird um (laughs) a very weird feeling (laughs) so yeah they um you know I pressed the button I'm like my water just broke (laughs) oh my god (laughs) and um they came in with a doctor who I had actually not met before but was very nice very lovely um she and the nurses look at it and they get this look on their face and I'm like I know there's a lot there like wow (laughs) I'm thinking that's what they're looking at and they start going oh yeah yeah that's a normal amount you know and they're kind of like looking at each other and looking at the bed like there's meconium and a little bit of blood um so we're a little bit worried and I was like oh okay, what is, what does that mean? You know? And they said, well, that means that, um, you know, you've been in labor long enough for your baby to release like hormones or something and, um, start bodily functions. I was like, great. (laughs) What can we, does that mean, you know, I'm going to start pushing here soon? And they're like, well, let's do a cervix check. Um, and they checked and they're like, you're still like really closed. You really haven't like opened up much since you came in uh, again no position checks or anything else they just kind of told me that and then left <laughs> mm. so they let me keep going you know keep experiencing labor um there's like three or four stages of labor um and I once your water breaks it really does get intense um they said you know let us know. We're going to start coming in for cervix checks, just checking you a lot, a little bit more frequently. I was like, okay, cool. Um, said, okay, if you don't get to 10 here soon, um, 
it's like six o'clock, you're getting close to, you know, we don't want a certain amount of time between your water breaking and you going in, into, you know, pushing, um, you know, it, it, there's like a window here. And if you go past that window, we're going to have to um, start doing interventions here because that could be bad for the baby, et cetera. Thankfully, I got to 10. Um, I got from eight to 10 faster than I did the rest of the day. So I made it within that window, didn't have to have any, you know, Pitocin. The doctor was then like, all right, well, we're at 10. Ding, ding, ding. And uh, let us know whenever you feel the urge to push. And just like the whole saying of, you'll know when you're having contractions, I find that extremely unhelpful. Yeah. Because <laughs> how, how do you know? How do I know? Can you describe that for me a little bit, please? Can you tell me? Well, and the other thing too, is I think everybody has a different pain tolerance. Exactly. So someone could be going through, you know, I've interviewed some moms that have literally said like, oh, they felt a little like, oh, that's uncomfortable. And that was a contraction. <laughs> you know, so how are you supposed to know? Yeah, absolutely. I know my, my pain tolerance is actually pretty high. Um, and as the blessing of being a redhead, I burn off <laughs> very fast. Uh, really? That's a thing. I've actually woken up during surgery. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, that's so interesting that that's correlated. I would have never known that. Yeah. There's, you know, kinds of fun gifts to <laughs> a redhead, I guess. But, um, so my, actually around that time it related my, I could start feeling my right leg again. <laughs> that was, uh -huh. this is hurting. Um, so I have a very high pain tolerance, I think, just because of that. Um, so I don't really speak up much whenever I'm in pain. Um, I don't really speak up because it's not that bad to me. So, you know, like you said, getting, being told when you know, when you know is not helpful. <laughs> so I thought I had to push. You know, I was like, this is gas. Where do I have to push? <laughs> <laughs> Don't really know. <laughs> um, and they were like, all right. And what I was expecting was, you know, the, your team to come in, them to come and check you and to say, all right, we're going to start pushing. Let's get things ready. But my team came in and this nurse basically like stuck her hand under my butt and started yelling at me to push. <laughs> Like, right. Oh, and I was like, what? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> was your doctor in the room? No, no, just a baby. Oh my gosh, just her? My doctor um, came in during this, like, right, like, right, at, right after my nurse had started being like, all right, we're going to push. And I guess she thought I was like fully on board with this. And she looks at me and she's like, oh, great, we're pushing. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> Um, so I was just very like taken off guard. And then she goes, um, there is another one of our patients who is a lot further progressed in the pushing stage. So I'm going to have to step out and, you know, I'll be back, but we've called the midwives in and, um, you know, they're going to be helping out until one of us can come back. Oh, and my shift ends. So I'll oh my gosh. probably see another doctor. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh she just leaves um thankfully like it only took five minutes for the midwives to come in um the midwives are 
at Minky, there's actually an entire unit of midwives that work out of Minky Hospital. Um, oh. They do women care and they do um, take, you know, they have clients of their own. Um, but they're also there as like a general support to the labor and delivery unit. I had um, two midwives come in who I also didn't get the memo that I really was like not sure about pushing at this point. Um, and we're like, yay, let's. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> but I pushed for four and a half hours. I hit that four hours and they stopped me. Um, the midwife, the one midwife looked at me and she went, you can't keep going very long. And I was like, what do you mean I can't keep going very long? Do whatever I want, you know? And she said, no. She said, you know, you've you've been in labor now for almost 24 hours. You've been pushing for four. Um, you know, we really don't want to hurt the baby. Every time that we would get the baby out, you know, we would, here's the head, here's the head. And then he'd like suck back up in. And I was like, just you know, mentally going, why is this not working? Um, so we tried position, a couple of positions. I actually had to yell at a nurse a little bit. The one who had come in and slid her hand up my butt and start pushing yeah. um, was also the one yelling at me to hold my breath and like very old school birthing. Um, not helpful. Yeah. Um, and I remember being like, I don't want to lie down. <laughs> um, she kept trying to like push me back onto the bed because my normal, my reaction, you know, response to pushing was to be like up, uh -huh. not, not like on fours, but like kind of like squatting. Yeah. So they, they, you know, they stopped me. They paused me at four hours. They said, you don't have very much longer. You're going to hurt your baby if you keep pushing. And I said, you know, I really, I want to try the birthing bar. And they were like, all right, all right, let's try it. You know, um, my, my midwife, she was really great, very supportive, but also very realistic. Um, you know, she was like, let's do it, but let's keep an eye on the time because we don't, you know, we don't want to hurt your baby. I was like, all right. Um, and we got a little bit more like, traction I guess mm -hmm. you could say we're <laughs> getting him out but you know he went pop right back mm -hmm. up in so we hit four and a half hours and um my midwife she looked at me and she went are you cold you know are you tired and I was like yeah I'm, I'm tired and I'm cold and she said your body looks like it's starting to kind of give up you know, you're really pale, you're really tired, um, don't have the energy to keep going. Um, your baby's not coming out. You're, you know, you had meconium and blood in, the, in your fluid, and we are at the end of that time window. And I was like, great, what does that mean? I knew what that meant, but I wanted her to say, and she said, we're going to have to do a C-section. And I was like, great. And I just started crying and being like, this is not what I wanted. This is not, you know, I'm, I failed and all these things. Like, and I remember going like, couldn't we like to ask, like, couldn't we try something? And I remember her look like putting her hand on me and being like, we can't. 
like, all right. So like, I was like accepting it, like, like, all right, I'm resigned. I, I, I want my baby out. And she said, all right, you know, and she called the anesthesiologist to come back down. Um, and she told my husband a couple of the prep stuff. And then he was taken aside by a nurse to get him like, you know, some more information and whatever. Um, and I remember her coming up to me and she had these most beautiful blue eyes, like sapphire blue. Um, they were so vivid. And I also could have potentially been high on, <laughs> but I remember her, her, you know, putting her face close to me and putting her hands on my shoulder and telling me the one thing that I needed to hear that I didn't know I needed to hear, which was the end of this, you're going to be a mother. And it doesn't matter how your baby came into the world. And I remember being like this, just like, you know, weight lifted off my chest when she said that. And all of, not all of the shame, but like that initial shame of my body failed and I, you know, didn't do it. Yeah. She was just so amazing. You um, still birthed a baby, whether it came out of your vagina yeah. or your stomach, you know? <laughs> And and she was so great, you know, and I was like, all right, this is cool. Like, you know, and I was kind of talking to her about um, how I could still have him put on my chest and I could still do these great things. And, you know, I could be part of the experience. And I was like, all right, that works. All right, let's, you know, let's just get him here. Let, you know, I just want my baby here. And uh, this, this, this poor guy comes down and he's like all right let's give you a bump and I was like hey my uh, right leg's completely awake by the way and he's like oh all right and he starts like adjusting his calculations and stuff like that looking at my blood pressure and then other things and I was like and he goes your blood pressure is a little low and I was like well yeah I'm really tired and haven't had any sugar in like five hours and he's like, okay, you know, and he gives me um, like a little syringe of drugs and he goes, I'll be with you during the whole thing. You know, I'm going to be right here with you. I'll go in with you to the theater. I'll make sure you're comfortable. And when your husband comes in, um, you know, I'll just kind of be on the side. And he's like, but, but you know, for now, like uh, if you need anything, let me know. I'm like, okay, cool. Really nice guy. He like wheels me out of my room and I think we got like two doors down and all of a sudden like this beeping started happening. And I was like, what's beeping? <laughs> like someone's room, something's going on. And I didn't realize it was the monitor on my bed. And he's like, oh, uh-oh. And then they start like walking me really fast <laughs> and they push me into the thing and then like an alarm starts going off. And I was like, what is going on? And then at the same time, like, I think I had tried to ask him what was happening. I started shaking. Like my whole body started shaking. I couldn't talk because like my my like jaw was so like clenched and my tongue what felt like it was just like frozen back there because I just couldn't get my body to like react. Oh my gosh. So that that was just not what I was expecting. And this poor guy like by himself with me they wheel me into the theater they put up this like blue curtain this whole time I am like my tongue is like stuck like glued to the roof of my mouth I couldn't get my my jaw unclenched and I am shaking and he is like 
I'm gonna get you some blankets. I am going to try to get you warmed up. I'll be right back. And he brings like all these warm blankets. I couldn't even feel them. Like there was no change in um, like my body. Like I was just like numb, but not like the tingly numb. I was just no feeling, just, it was just very weird. And at first I thought, oh, something's wrong with my epidural. Like they're like, accidentally knocking my whole body out you know, I don't know what's going on and he then puts this thing in my mouth so that I don't cut my tongue off by biting, biting it. it yeah um and he's like telling me you know I'm gonna put this in your mouth I don't want you to bite your tongue off you're going into shock and I was like what <laughs> he's like your body is going into shock and he's like I will be right here with you the whole time and I was just like what like and I finally I don't know I think he gave me some medicine and I finally got my jaw relaxed a little bit and I remember asking where my husband was you know what's going on where's my husband and he kept going he'll be here soon he'll be here soon you know we have to take care of you first and then I still start feeling this tugging and this like shaking on my body and I was like what are they what are they doing to my legs (laughs) you know it's like this feels weird. And then I hear babies out. And I was like, what? So they basically had wheeled me in, put up the curtain and started taking, doing the C-section. Right away. Right away. Right away. Um, I had no idea what was going on other than feeling some tugging once I got a little bit more relaxed in my body. Because like I said before that, I just was like so numb. Mm. I think the guy just thought I was gonna lose consciousness he kept being like I'm right here I'm right here Um, he didn't realize he was going to be my support person for that sweet guy (laughs) he was really great so they um they got him out and I heard you know I heard baby out and then I heard silence and for me what felt like hours you know forever was probably maybe 30 seconds a minute and finally cried um but he didn't make any sounds and it was just terrifying that why because everyone's waiting no one's making any noise other than like some rustling you know some medical stuff you know it was dead quiet and it was just so long and I remember going I didn't do this early enough and I hurt my baby you know like something's wrong with him um so they did not put him on my chest right away um they took him over to the side and had to do I think some chest compressions to get him you know going and he finally cried um and I hear you know um I think that the one doctor go oh we're good we're good (laughs) I was like okay (laughs) you know but I still didn't get to see him he they didn't bring him over they they kept him and then that's when my husband came in and if you ask him it was like a um like a crime scene because door is like right there (laughs) and he was like it was just blood Blood. (laughs) so something he probably would have not seen normally Mm -hmm. yeah, but this poor guy, my husband, you know, he's sitting in the hospital room going, they're going to come get me. I'm going to see my babies. Yeah, and they never. 
and they didn't get him and then he's like what's going on and they finally come and get him and they go it was an emergency and we had to um do the c-section but you can come back now um and see your baby and your wife and he was like what oh my gosh (laughs) he had no idea no idea so he finally came back and um I was started crying because I just was so scared and I had no idea what had really happened still and I remember just being so confused and like I wasn't part of the process like Mm -hmm. I, I had just had something happen to me and I hadn't had a say in anything and I hadn't you know, been even told. And it was a very weird experience. Um, And then the NICU doctor comes over and goes, hi, I'm blank doctor from NICU. And I was like, excuse me? And she goes, oh, your baby's fine. But I just wanted to let you know, we're always called into C-sections in case there's something needed. But um, we did cut your son a little bit. (laughs) And I was like, what? Um, So they had actually nicked him with a scalpel and cut his shoulder across his shoulder. Oh my gosh. It wasn't deep enough that they needed anything other than superficial butterfly sutures. Um, <gasps> that was not the like the very first thing you want to hear out of a doctor's mouth after oh. emergency C-section. <laughs> so they finally brought him over and James got to hold him, my husband. And, um, you know, he puts... I am completely useless. Like I couldn't move anything other than my mouth and cry. <laughs> um, and they put Charlie up to me so I could like give him a kiss. Um, the anesthesiologist also turned into a birth photographer at that point. Offered <laughs> <laughs> to take some pictures and was so nice. He, uh, he actually offered. He goes, "Did you did you bring your phone in here?" And um, my husband was like, yeah. And he's like, do you want me to take a picture while they're weighing him? Oh, oh my gosh. I hope you like gave this guy a gift or something. <laughs> he deserves an award. He disappeared right afterwards. Um, they started wheeling me into the, back into the L&D room. Um, he just disappeared. I never got his name. Hmm. And then when you made it home, was it hard adjusting now because you had the C-section especially? Yeah, you know, when you plan for your baby and you plan for coming home from the hospital, you put your bassinet somewhere and you put um, your you know, breastfeeding basket somewhere. And none of those places work when you have a C-section, even though the incisions now are what they call bikini incisions. Um, and they are low and not as obtrusive. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, it's still, you know, major surgery. It is one of two surgeries that I've had that, you know, are extremely hard to heal from. Um, it, you know, cuts through muscle, cuts through tissue, cuts through, moves your organs. Um, so the simple act of like sitting up in bed and then turning to get your baby is almost impossible. Um, especially in that like first couple of days that you get home. Um, you know, you're sent home with this packet of, of information that says after six weeks, call your doctor for your follow-up. Here's your medicine, you know, take it as needed and until you don't need it anymore. Um, ice on it, use the uh, binder that they give you. Um, 
but other than that like the instructions are are, are shockingly and appallingly um basic blank you know like there's not there it doesn't tell you how sometimes breathing and coughing is going to hurt it doesn't tell you that the pain medication that you're on is going to make you so sleepy (laughs) and that combined with your the fact that you're a new mother who's not getting any sleep like um I actually almost dropped Charlie so I was nursing him and um especially that first like when the when your milk is coming in you get rushes of of of, um hormones when your your baby latches on you get um cortisol and stuff like a big rush of it and it actually makes you kind of like dizzy and um Mm. feel sleepy on top of everything else um and I was so tired and so drugged up that I thought I had dropped my son (laughs) and I was like what is going on you know yeah I imagine it's almost kind of like an outer body experience a little bit it's really just not something you can prep for either because no one really talks about what happens you know when people talk about c-sections it's oh I had labor you know I went through labor or I was induced and then I had a c-section and it stops there you know people's stories stop there usually they don't go past what happened with the c-section they don't go past the my baby was born by c-section if they even mention it at all you know or the fact that you could your body could go into shock or that you could not have your birth partner or your person next to you or that like there's so many different elements and the c-section doesn't end after you're sewn up and you're sent right you know you are healing from major surgery and you're going through um the new motherhood aspect of everything you know baby blues the mom guilt, the trying to breastfeed, do I breastfeed, do I not breastfeed, you know, all of these things that you're kind of prepared for, or you think you're prepared for as a new mother, you have now to adapt everything to the fact that you can't move. (laughs) Right, that your entire core is basically not working. Yeah, it's totally useless. So, you know, my my instruction said, you know, you're going to probably be bedridden for like a week. I could not get up without help for probably two weeks. Mm. Moving around the house, I could make it to the table <laughs> or I could make it to my son's room across the hallway. But that was it. Like, I, I don't know why they say those things because it was physically impossible for me. And, and this, again, coming from someone who has a very high pain tolerance was the most pain I've ever been in. Um, and then you kind of go, all right, I, I'm all right. I can move a little bit more on my own now. I can, you know, things are really tender and really sore, but you know, I'm getting used to it and I've adapted everything to adjust to this. And then something else changes like random stabbing pains in your stomach, and random tingles, um, like right on your scar you're like what is going on this hurts normal you know and there's no really no resource for you to go to so what's something that you'd like to tell moms whether it's about a c-section or it's about the healing from that or just in general moms to be what's something you'd like them to know think especially for c-section moms you know 
accepting help and asking for help um, is, is so important because we want to do everything, you know, on our own. We want to be the best moms that we can be, but it's not just about being a mom anymore. You know, it's about healing in part of being a mom is taking care of yourself. And, you know, that's something that every mom struggles with, but when you have a C-section, <laughs> needing help going to the bathroom is, is a part of your reality now. You know, you really need to speak up and you really need to um, ask for help. I know that was something that I found very hard. And when I say speak, you know, speak up and ask for help and it doesn't end that first week or first two weeks um, when you get home or after your partner goes back to work, it's not that first week afterwards. Because six weeks later, when my son was six weeks old, I had a friend come and stay with us um, to meet my son, Sir Godchild, and what we thought was going to be a fun trip ended up actually being medically horrible because I was back in the hospital. I wasn't taking care of myself and asking for help. And um, part of the side effects of drugs too is that your appetite gets slowered a little bit. Um, I wasn't eating right. Plus on, on top of postpartum, I was like um, basically starving myself without realizing it. And I had uh, what was uh, my first gallbladder attack. I firmly believe that if I had asked for and accepted and been more vocal, I wouldn't have had such a bad experience. I basically started motherhood out refusing help. And that set a precedent that took 13 months for me to figure out that I needed my gallbladder removed because I was trying to do it myself. I was sucking it up. I was, you yeah. know. It's like what they say in the airline, you know, put your mask on before you're put it on your child or how yeah, absolutely you know it goes against almost every like fiber of your being as a yeah. new mom like take a minute for yourself even and beyond you know watching a show when you're you know hanging out with your baby it's like very easy to say oh that's me time I did something right. for me I watched that show I like no <laughs> yeah. no you need to you need to do more than that yeah the thing that I think is so important to remember is any mom who whether even in my opinion whether even you brought up child into the world or not but even the fact that you're just caring for somebody you're already a hero as it is and you've already gotten that box checked you mm -hmm. need to be strong enough to keep keep that baby strong and I think also set an example mm -hmm. too but it's hard to remember in those moments it's so hard on top of, you know, all of that, when you have a C-section, you're still like in a, so much pain, even a couple months later, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't go away right away. You'll randomly have pains. You'll randomly like sit up wrong and it'll hurt weird four months later. You know, I really feel we need to talk about more and something that, you know, up till about six months ago, when a friend told me she didn't realize that I'd had a C-section. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And that's when I realized that something so defining for me and something that was so, um, you know, traumatic for me in my case, um, but a part of how my son came into this world was like a secret. 
whether or not I had intended it to be, it was this like secret, like, oh, section don't tell anybody that mm. you know it was like my mom card was gonna re- get revoked if I like talked about it or something <laughs> um but it, at that moment that was when I realized I need to talk about this and there are more moms that need to talk about this because the more we talk about something you know the the more real it becomes and the you know the more we honor all of our experiences but the more we can share and educate for people who are going to go through it in the future. Absolutely. At that point, you know, I said, you know, I'm going to start becoming vocal and becoming an advocate for C-section awareness and education. And, you know, it's not just emergency C-sections and horrible stories. It's wonderful, beautiful stories of people who choose C-sections and have their babies help, you know, they help lift their babies out and have these beautiful tummy births too. Um, So, you know, I think C-sections can be great. They can be bad, just like any birth, but Mm -hmm. there's just so much afterwards that's involved (laughs) with, you know, I want to make sure that people feel like they can share their stories and their birth stories don't have to end with, and I had a C-section. Of course. Oh my goodness. Well, I am so grateful that you shared your story and I know for a fact that there's going to be moms out there, whether they're planning to have a C-section or not, or whether they've had a C-section or not, that can relate and that will find value in just hearing from from your story and knowing that they're not alone. I mean, that's my whole intention. You know, there are moms out there that are not alone, no matter what you've gone through. And everyone's story is different, but at the same time, it all has this underlying thread of things we don't talk about and things that we should be really proud about because no matter what, you brought a beautiful life into the world. And I think that's that's where we need to focus. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's one of the reasons I love your podcast. You know, almost every episode, there's something that you can connect with. And whether or not the entire story of whether it's, you know, the infertility journey that you recently talked about or um, someone's birth story, you know, you can go, oh, wait, that part of someone's story, I really connect with that. You know, I love, yeah. I just podcast for thank you so much that's really sweet of you I have one final question before I let you go we didn't really talk about um, your little boy too much but just how he entered into the world but now that he's into the world what is something you'd like to tell him now for when he's 18 oh when he's 18 that world is going to be so different from ours (laughs) when he's 18 I just want to tell him I think not to lose who he is you know he is the sweetest and most empathetic person um and I want him to remember that you know at 18 he's probably going to be going into college or trade school or something like that and I want him to hold on to that you know core aspect of who he is because it's really special (laughs) And um, the world needs more people who are truly empathetic and caring. And he is that. Amen. That is so true. (laughs) Oh, this was such a joy, Susanna. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And um, I, I will put your links to Instagram and whatever other social links you have in the show notes. So if there's anybody out there who wants to reach out to Susanna and connect, I'm sure you'd be willing to chat more and absolutely that would 
be wonderful. Thank you so much. This is so special. I really appreciate it. It's so nice talking to you. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms. And I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter, and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at The Pumping Podcast, and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping.